Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, a weekly financial podcast where we talk about ways to integrate your faith and your finances. This is Bob Barber. This is Mary Jo Lyons. Are you ready to learn the truth about money from a biblical perspective? Join us as we discuss what God's Word says about money. If it's your first time listening, welcome to the show. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Well, it's getting to be that time of year when we start thinking about the new year and what's in store for us. This week's topic is going to be setting financial goals. As always, we want to start the show with some relevant scriptures. As we have shared in the past, the Bible has much to say about money and setting financial goals. Mary Jo, one of the scriptures I thought, actually, there's two of them in Deuteronomy that has to do with, I believe, setting spiritual goals as well as financial goals. This first one has more to do with setting spiritual goals for those of us that are believers, and it's from Deuteronomy 6, 9, and 11, 20. You shall write them on the door frames of your house and on your town gates. It's really about putting those goals in writing and seeing them on a daily basis because you think about it, you pass through a door of your house every day. Well, and that's true, and the Bible mentions writing them down on several places. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, it says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on a tablet of your heart. And here's another really good scripture out of Isaiah 38 that hits right to the heart about writing it down. Now go. Write it on a tablet before them and inscribe it on a scroll that it may serve in the time to come as a witness forever. That was a little bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) Biblically, the act of writing, it means a great deal. It gives it priority, attention, and creates contemplation. So writing down your goals, desires, and belief is very much a biblical principle. As you can see from a few of the scriptures above, when you identify your goals and write them down, you're making a commitment to them. Mary Jo, I've known about this Harvard Business School study that was done many, many years ago, and I've mentioned this over the years as I've written about setting financial goals and spoken about it. So this is an interesting study to always bring up and share. 83% of the population does not have any clearly defined goals much less financial. 14% have goals, but they've never written them down. 3% of the population has goals that are written down. Did you just hear that? Only 3% of the population actually writes down their goals. That's amazing. This study concluded that the 3% of people that write down their goals were earning an astounding 10 times more money than those of the 83% group. Remember, the 83% of the population that doesn't have any clearly defined goals, much less financial. In addition, similar studies have shown that individuals with written goals also tend to have better health and happier marriages than those without them. You know, Bob, it's really interesting, the fact about writing down your goals and how important that is. You know, I spent a lot of my life in the corporate world, and I know some of our listeners are out there working in the corporate world, but a lot of our listeners are self-employed or maybe stay-at-home moms or retired, and they forget about how important it is to think about your goals, be very specific about them, and write them down. And that's how things actually begin to materialize. Another thing in the corporate world, we learned uh, some methodologies for goal setting. 
One of them that is very common and most of our listeners have probably heard about is SMART goals. They're specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and timely. And I know, Bob, you have a different method that you like to talk about. What is that? Well, it's very similar to your method that you just mentioned. I always called mine SMAC, S-M-A-C. That acronym stands for the same words that the SMART standing for, like specific, measurable, achievable, and compatible. And it's so important as we set those goals that they are compatible to us. As an example, I'm 56 years old, and if I say I want to go run a four-minute mile, (laughs) that's really not compatible or achievable. I mean, I got to be realistic. I'm not going to touch that, Bob. That's not kind, you know, and we're supposed to be kind, right? Exactly. So when it comes to your goals, be very specific. By putting them in writing, I have reached nearly 100% of my written goals over the years. It's one of those steps that is so critical for success. Bob, I know you have a form that you use. Why don't you tell our listeners about what that looks like? Mary Jo, I have a form that I use that looks at the goals from five to seven different angles. And one is spiritually, what do I want to accomplish in 2019 and what will I do to accomplish the goal? Physically, what do I want and how will I accomplish it? Let's say physically, I want to lose 10 pounds. Well, how am I going to accomplish this goal? give up drinking sweet tea all the time. (laughs) You know, something simple like that. Financially, maybe I want to pay off a debt or grow my cash reserves to a certain amount. And what am I going to do to accomplish that goal? Relationally, I like this one because this would be with my family, with my wife. How do I want to improve our relationship? And what will I do to accomplish that? Mentally, what am I going to do? And that might be reading several books. And how am I going to accomplish that goal? Maybe go to a workshop or a seminar. And then professionally, what do I want to do to accomplish a goal? So again, it's spiritually, physically, financially, relationally, mentally, and professionally. When it comes to setting financial goals, there are some other steps to consider as well. Before starting down the path of financial planning, which is my specialty, I always tell my clients, it's always helpful to first identify what matters most to you. What do you want your financial future to look like? I think you have to imagine that and give some specifics around that before you really start down the path of planning so you know where you're going to go. It's also important to think about what your short-term goals as well as your long-term goals, what you want those to be. Like long-term goals might be for big-ticket items like a home, educational funding or retirement, where a short-term goal might be just to pay off a low credit card balance over the next six months. It's common to have competing goals or competing timeframes for some of your goals. So you first also have to do some prioritizing. It's okay to be saving for multiple goals at the same time, but I would say that creating an emergency fund should be at the top of that list if you've not already done so. Without this, you may continue to rely on credit or borrow from your retirement account. So that's not going to help you accomplish your other goals. Kind of maybe sounds a little bit odd, but I think that needs to be at the top of the list and it will help you then accomplish the other goals. I like this fourth one of creating a realistic budget and sticking to it. If it's not a realistic budget, it's going to be very hard to stick to. If you're used to spending $200 a month on eating out and now you're going to knock that down to $40 a month or $10 a week, 
that's not a realistic budget, but maybe if you've been spending 200 and you could bring that down to 125 and then you can stick to it. Create a realistic goal and budget, monitor it periodically and adjust it as needed and really track your spending. That's a good one, Bob. You also want to automate both your payments and your savings. By automating your savings, you're paying yourself first. And by automating your payments, you're going to avoid any late fees and penalties. And those can just kind of wreak havoc on your spending plan and your budget faster than anything. If your employer offers a 401k or a 403b or thrift savings plan, especially if they're going to match your contribution, This is something that you want to do here at the beginning of the year if you've not done so already. And just think about the match. If you're putting in $50 and they're matching you for that, you're making 100% return from day one on your money. People ask me all the time, well, should I do that even if I have these other financial goals that I'm trying to do? And I always say yes, because if there's an employer match, that's found money. And then you're also reducing your taxable take-home pay. By clicking that box to fund the 401k, it's really not going to impact your take-home pay all that much. I think you'd be surprised. And it's paying yourself first. If you're married, you also want to seek spousal unity. It's important that you share the same goals. And that way, you're much more likely to achieve them if you're both on the same page and you're both willing to sacrifice for a shared objective. And number eight, if you're going to obsess about something, This is a good thing to obsess about. You know, Bob, I I always have to laugh here, and I'm going to make fun of my husband at at his expense, and I know he'll take it in good stride as he listens to our podcast. But he has a little bit of OCD, so he obsesses about a lot. And it was really interesting when we first started tracking our spending and our budgeting and especially our savings, and he started to see that number grow it really did become something that he could finally obsess about. So instead of obsessing about stuff and buying things, he began to obsess about our savings. And that was a win for me. (laughs) You know, once you start writing it down and you see it and you see it grow, it's real easy to focus on that growth and you want to continue to see it grow. So you're much more likely to stick to it. So maybe we could rephrase that a little bit. If you're going to obsess about getting out of debt and saving, that's not a bad thing to obsess about. That's right. One of the things that you can do here at the beginning of the year is do a financial health score check. And you can do that right on our website at ciswealth.com. It's right under the area that click on for our podcast. And it says, what's your financial health score? And you can do this completely on your own in the comfort of your home over the internet. And then it will generate a score and actually send it to us. And then you can have a meeting with either Mary Jo or myself to go over that score and look at things that you could do to help you better in your financial situation. And here we are. It's already the first of the year. And if you don't have your goals for the year written down, this is your opportunity to do so. Because if you don't write them down, the year is just going to pass you by. I can share that from experience. So I do want to encourage our listeners, each of you, to write down your financial goals as well as your other goals and see what a difference just that one step will make for your success in accomplishing those goals in the following years. Yeah, and like we mentioned at the beginning of the program, to write them down, and then I shared several areas of goal setting, you know, from relationship to financial to spiritual to mental. You write all these down in one little form. I like to do it in about a four-inch by six-inch form. Make copies of them 
and then laminate three or four or even five of them. And I put one in my shower so I see it in the morning, one by my bathroom mirror, one in my Bible, and even one next to my keyboard. It works so that I'm always being reminded of these goals. I've just noticed by doing this, it really keeps it top of mind awareness. Oh, that's awesome, Bob. I love the putting one in your Bible because I like to read my Bible every day. So that's a good visual reminder and helps you. And certainly when you pray on those goals, you're going to make it closer to your heart and be just much more committed to it. Clients often ask us, well, so what other financial goals should they be thinking about besides the obvious ones? And I always say, well, what might be obvious to me may not be obvious to you. So I would encourage everyone to include the following in their list of goals. The first one is, and you heard me mention it earlier, have a three-month emergency fund. And as you age, you want to expand this. So by the time you're 50, you probably want to have about a year's worth of expenses and savings. And the reason I say that is because that's more than what the rule of thumb is. But as you age, if you're employed, it takes you much longer to replace that salary and age discrimination is real. So it's also going to take you longer to find a new job if you lose the one you have. So you definitely want to expand that emergency fund. Plus your overall expenses and your financial footprint is bigger. So you need a bigger savings. I, you know, I'd like to say something here about that too, Mary Jo, that health issues strike so many of us that are above 50 also with those health issues, it's good to have cash reserves for times like that. Well, and that brings up cash is king. So you want to develop a cash mindset and avoid the use of credit. And in trying to decide how to tackle debt, this is one I get asked about all the time. Well, which one do I pay first? Or I have this really small balance. Should I pay that first? Well, in my mind, it boils down to the cost of money pay off the highest rate first. So put all your resources to the most expensive debt and then just kind of begin to move it down. But the ones that are lower interest rate, even if it's a smaller balance, it's costing you less to have that debt. So pay the most expensive ones down first. And these last three things are like simplify your life, avoid stuff. (laughs) None of us need more stuff here in America. Believe me, we got more than most of us need and that stuff can cost you dearly. It makes you less mobile. If it's time to go on that mission trip, you have to transport it, store it, insure all of that stuff that costs money. So life is best when lived through experiences and not stuff, not material possessions. Next, develop a giving mindset this year. God loves a cheerful giver. Giving releases the bondage that materialism can have over you. And keep your financial life in as much order as possible. Include that in an estate plan, protection is needed, etc. Keeping that life in financial order, if you're married, many times there's one of you that has more of the organizational skills than the other and allow them to help you with that if you're not naturally an organized person. As we come to the end, there's an old saying about goal setting that I've used for many years. Aim for nothing and that is exactly what you'll hit or aim for the stars, and you'll hit the moon. I love that, Bob. That's awesome. As we wrap up today's episode about setting financial goals, there's one more scripture that we want to leave you with, and it's from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 25 through 27. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path with your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. That's all for now. 
You are listening to Christian Financial Perspectives. Join us next week as we explore what God's Word says about money. And don't forget, you can sign up for our free newsletter at ciswealth.com or give us a call at 877-71-TRUTH. That's 877-718-7884. To make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts regarding the truth about money, be sure to subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives at christianfinancialpodcast.com for free. If there are any specific topics you would like to hear more about, we'd love to hear from you. That's all for now. Until next week. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber and Mary Jo Lyons. Bob and Mary Jo do not provide tax advice and encourage you to seek guidance from a tax professional. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DPA CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor.